This is the 5 a.m. Miracle, episode number 470. Personal Health Boundaries, Self-Awareness, and Croissants with Ted Rice. Good morning, and welcome to the 5 a.m. Miracle. I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My goal is to help you bounce out of bed with enthusiasm, create powerful lifelong habits, and tackle your grandest goals with extraordinary energy. In the episode this week, I speak with a personal trainer and longtime friend of the podcast, Ted Rice. Ted and I break down the power of exercise to boost your mood and overall level of happiness, the value of your environments on your behavior, especially your fitness habits, and how improving your self-awareness can help you set the right personal health boundaries to achieve your health goals even during the holidays. Let's get to it. All right, Ted Rice, welcome to the 5A Miracle Podcast. You have been on this show probably more than most of my guests ever, and you've not been on in a while, so I'm excited to bring you back. You were also my first guest on this show in over a year, so there's a lot to talk about. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Jeff. I really enjoy our conversations, and I think I've had you on my podcast about the same amount of times, and <laughs> it's always fun to speak with you. So it's an honor to be your first interview in a year. Yeah, I, I took about a year to to dig into some solo content, and I'm bringing these interviews back in. Um, in a lot of ways, because you know, whenever I have like a personal shift or a pivot I want to make, I tend to want to have discussions about those. And one of the things that I have been being more intentional about, especially post pandemic, if we actually are there, um, is being more intentional with my health. Because I am definitely one of those guys who, when COVID hit, uh, I got lazy, I gained weight, uh, I had bad habits. Like I really like. COVID hit me in a very health-centric, bad way. And so one of the things I've done since then was pivot a lot of my diet, nutrition, exercise habits, daily habits, which is a lot of what my podcast is about anyway. Waking up early is kind of a core you know, tenet to how your day begins, but it really is about what you do every day. So I know you have a lot of, of, of opinions and you know, topic points about you know, what it means to be uh, healthy in a more intelligent way. So I want to kind of start there with maybe your overall health philosophy, because one thing that I have done as a productivity podcaster is I take a health first approach to productivity. So I want to make sure that I have my most best energy, best enthusiasm, and to have those things, I need to be healthy to be productive. So where do you stand in terms of your health philosophy and how that influences uh, you know, your business or your life in general? Such a great question. So when I first got into lifting weights and training, eating a certain way, it was really, it was in my teens and I did it because I wanted to be more attractive to women and I <laughs> wanted guys to think I was cool. Nice. And I ended up going through, uh, I, I don't even remember, I'm sure we talked about it on one of the previous episodes, but my brother was murdered when I was 19. and what I learned through going through that whole, I won't go into the full drama. I'm sure it's, uh, like I said, on one of the previous episodes, but the thing that I came back to that helped me get past that extremely tough moment. I mean, I felt broken physically, psychologically, even spiritually, and I was broke as well, broken and also broke. And the thing that gave me health, or, or let's say I'm kind of like, I guess, revealing my answer here. But the <laughs> thing that got me past it was exercise. Mm. I had this thing where this tragedy happened and there was nothing I could do to change it. And I felt really bad about it. And then I would exercise and I would feel better, mm. but it wouldn't change the reality. I even shared something recently on Twitter. I've been hanging out a lot there. We, we had a conversation about that. And I said, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life now. Mm. But I shared something about my story. And someone said, how can you be the happiest you ever have been if your family isn't here? And I said, that's a great question. 
And it's because of my approach to health, physical health. And so you're asking about my philosophy. It's changed a lot. Mm. It went from physical health, like exercise and diet, to include psychological health and also what we might call social health. For example, 70% of the people, people ask me, I travel a lot, Jeff, and you know that. I'm in Mexico now. I was in Madrid, Paris, Lisbon, all over the place, and it is going to slow down. But one of the things that I've learned from traveling so much is that the environment you're in affects you a lot. Mm, Yeah. Whether you like it or not. And there's something called the French paradox. I was in Paris for a week eating almond croissants every day and walking about 20,000 steps. People don't have the level of obesity there versus, uh, you know, any big city in the U.S., right? It's just different. But they don't eat what you might consider, like if you think about Southern California and, okay, it's a fit city, but they're all on bikes and running and eating their organic acai bowls and drinking their (laughs) green juice. French people aren't doing any of that. They're having croissants in the morning. Right. And so the social aspect of health has become something I've gotten into a lot. And I see it in different places. I see the effect on physical health, psychological health. And I believe that Americans are in a really tough place right now, psychologically speaking. And even if you're doing well and you're holding your own, you still have to deal with the other people that you're surrounded by who are having a hard time. Mm, your so friends, true. your family, coworkers, employees. And so we're in a situation where um, we can't look at health just from a physical perspective. If we want to feel and perform our best, we got to think of the psychology, the stress involved. We got to think of the social aspects, who we spend time with, our culture, the culture of the city. And that's that's probably been the most the the most profound and largest transition that I've made in terms of my philosophy, just incorporating those three things. I like the timing of that's interesting too, because we just finished a week of Thanksgiving here in the United States, which is a basically a massive uh, holiday where all you do is eat. Like the point of the holiday in modern terms is how much food can I consume as much as possible for as long as I'm with my family and then I leave and recover after I'm done, which was my experience last week where I found myself saying like, yes, I'm with my family and culturally and socially, this is what we do, which I, it kind of begs the question, why is that the norm? And if you wanted to buck that trend and not be like everyone else, how, how difficult could that be? Because I know for myself, like, for example, I'm a vegan. I have been for about 12 years. No one in my family is. So I'm automatically eating a different diet than them. But then even if I wanted to say, like, I'm going to avoid the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the rolls and right all the extra stuff, how do you approach that if you have, like, a personal health philosophy that's different than those around you? I think your point at that point, like, that's, that's a big challenge to stand on your own and to hold that, you know, that discipline to, to follow your own plan, regardless of where you are and, and how that plays out. So I mean, do you have any... I guess, strategies for how to overcome those, those scenarios. Yeah. What we're talking about right now is, is, well, I think there's two things I'd say. Number one, what we're talking about is setting boundaries with people Mm. and being strong in our boundaries, because a lot of us, I don't want to throw anybody's parents, including my own under the bus, but (laughs) we have this thing now where we're starting to realize, oh, the way the older generations have done some things have, has been great, but in terms of what we, in terms of how we interact with each other, what's appropriate, what's not, I'll say it like this. We, some of my clients, one of the biggest challenges they go through when they lose weight, because we have a very effective program, we get people great results, not just physical transformation, but also a transformation in, in other ways. And one of the things we have to prepare people mentally to deal with, and I'll answer your question more directly in a second, but is the, is the comments from people. I have one client 
This is not an exaggeration. This comes from him. He's a commercial real estate broker. Most of my clients are either entrepreneurs or high-level professionals. He's ripped now. He lost 20 pounds, went from 17% body fat to 12% body fat. Now I think he's a little bit lower, been working with me for 10 months. Some of his friends who most of the people he hangs around with, they're into drinking and eating because that's, again, American culture. For, for better or worse, I think there's some good things, some bad things. We can get into that if you want, but that's the situation of his social group, of his peer group. And he, uh, he had friends saying, hey, do, are, do you have HIV? <laughs> do you have cancer? They know he doesn't have those things, mm. but they mess with him. I had another client who is like, Guy, my friends have been telling me, hey, don't lose too much weight. You're starting to look sick. And so we have to set boundaries with people because nothing w- about what my clients are doing, they're, not only is their body fat getting into a, what we know from a scientific perspective is a healthy level and not only are there fasting glucose and their hemoglobin a1c and their cholesterol and all these other things going down and and they're psychologically feeling better because they like what they see in the mirror but they're having to do with people who sometimes it's coming from a bad place but quite often jeff it's not right it's just people are uncomfortable because it's different than what our culture what what has become the norm in our culture. So so what you're talking about is you gotta set boundaries with people and hold your ground and understand where people are coming from too. Sometimes they're coming from a bad place. But if it's your mom, she probably loves you. <laughs> and she's just worried. Are you losing weight because you're sick or do you have an eating disorder? So they're not used to seeing people change. They're not used to seeing people change rapidly and also our idea, our cultural norm of what's overweight, I mean, I get I get this all the time. I get clients who are, are, you know, when they first start working with me, I'm like, you're obese. They're like, no, I'm not obese. I'm like, obesity is a BMI. Or, okay, you don't want, like, okay, get get a DEXA scan and let's check your body fat. Okay, it's, it's 27%. That's obese. Like, we just don't know anymore. And that's okay, but I'm here to tell you that's, it's, it's, uh, I'm here to help redirect that trend because I, because physical health and mental health are ultimately connected or, and intimately connected. So the first thing is learning how to set boundaries. The second thing I would tell you, Jeff, about the Thanksgiving situation, I teach my clients not to be, and for, <laughs> I don't mean you, you have a, a vegan, uh, you know, you're a vegan. It's a whole different thing, but I, I, not the to be the diet weirdo, not to show up hmm. with their pre-packaged right, Tupperware right. meals. The only reason you should be doing that is because you get paid for your body, right? Or you're doing it like you, Jeff, where you're vegan, you're, you're committed to a lifestyle. It's not a diet for you. It's really like, um, you know, a. Uh, uh, an identity, I would say. You don't have no, to decide, yeah. man, am I going to eat meat today or should I? Right. <laughs> it's like most of us, we're like, should I eat the almond croissant or not? And mm. I'm, you know, just projecting my own personal experience because I did <laughs> eat an almond croissant today. But if you're going to, if you're a vegan, okay, you have to live that vegan lifestyle and understand it's different uh, than what the majority of people will do. But if you're just on a diet, you're trying to lose weight and you're not bought into an approach like veganism, just to use your example, you have to learn how to integrate into society Hmm. because it's going to be a constant source of friction if you're showing up and saying, no, I'm eating the chicken breast with no gravy. You guys are all fat and you shouldn't be doing this. And the reality is you're, you're, you're trying to improve your physical health while sacrificing your psychological and social health because it's going to be stressful for you it's going to put um it's going to put stress on the relationships with you and other people and so you have to, and here's what we know your relationships matter for longevity and not just mm-hmm. your, your relationships matter for longevity i don't mean that in a pseudo scientific or or woo woo type way there's research that shows 
one of the most important things for longevity is the quality of your relationships as you get older. And man, I feel that. I'm 45. I know that's not old for a lot of people, but for me, I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I'm 45. And the thing that I care more about now, it's relationships, the quality of my relationships, how good of a time am I having with other people? So we have to be careful not to be the person that I used to be where I wasn't a vegan. I was doing it for health reasons purely. There, were, there wasn't really an ethical, well, there, there was a little bit, but I don't want to get into it. But I was doing it mostly for health reasons. And I would eat organic food when this is 20 years ago when that wasn't popular. And so I wouldn't eat certain things. And it created a lot of friction between me and other people, mm. my family, and they thought I was a weirdo. And um, one other thing I, I want to say about this, is there's a term that I ended up learning. It's called orthorexia. And what that term is, is it's an unhealthy obsession with being healthy. Mm. It's health anxiety. Oh my God, what you're eating, it's full of chemicals. It's full of this and the shampoos and the, you know, I've done all that. And you know what? My real issue was the stress in my life not dealing with the stress in my life and this health anxiety I had where I had to eat organic food all the time and I had to do all these different things. I still was stressed out. Actually, uh, you know, when I say stressed out, I was dealing with stress from my relationships, but a lot of it was unresolved issues from that trauma that I went through when my brother was murdered. I was carrying around that something that I've got into and we can talk about more is stress is the key to health. If you don't have enough stress, you're going to get weak. That's going to lead to physiological stress because your inflammation levels are going to go up. Your body fat's going to go up. Your cardiovascular fitness is going to go away. And aging just increases inflammation anyway, even if you're doing all the things right. So not enough stress leads to poor health and too much stress also leads to poor health, not just poor health, but poor performance as well. And so we've got to take in to, 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 for us to, again, feel and perform our best. We have to deal with all the three prongs, the three legs of what it means to be a healthy human being, not just the diet and exercise. You know, to your point earlier about your client who was dealing with, you know, kind of the struggles of setting boundaries and fighting kind of the norm, you know, he thinks like, you know, I'm not obese, like I'm fine. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years with me having, you know, daughters and I'm a, a new parent in the last few years, I take my girls to the doctor. And one of the things that they do uh, during the, the annual checkups is they tell you like, here's your kid's weight and height and like head circumference on a scale of how they average up to other kids their same age. And so one thing they'll say is, oh, well, your daughter is at the 35th percentile on weight. And so my first question was, are you averaging her weight to the average kid in America? Because the average kid in America may not be the average health we're shooting for. And, and so my, my, my question then became like, so what, what's the point of this chart? Is this telling me sure. my daughter is actually low in her weight? Or is it telling me she's actually doing just fine and being lower is a better thing? It's, it's, it's one of those interesting comparison games we play with, you know, are we using the wrong scale to determine our value for health, our, our level of stress? You know, because those around us, if everyone else is, is all stressed out and overweight and unhealthy, and we are just like them, we might think we're okay. We might think we're normal. When in reality, everybody around you is, you know, struggling and you are too because of that. And I just think it's an interesting game to play of how do you choose the right scale. How do you know what healthy is and how do you determine what that, I mean, obviously you can look at certain, you know, data points and numbers and reassess, but on a, on a daily basis, like, so for you or, or the clients said, like, how do you set the bar for here's our goal? Here's what, what, what the point of this is. Like, here's where we're trying to get to. For sure. So for, uh, for, let's say for men, cause men and women are different, uh, in terms of body fat percentage, I'm looking for under 20% body fat. Mm. For a woman, it's under 24, uh, I'm sorry, under 25% body fat. We're also looking at how much muscle do you have? 
or what's your body fat? Uh, I, uh, which, how much muscle do you have compared to your body fat, for example? And how much strength do you have? Not that you have to bench press 300 pounds, but can you, can you do a lunge? Can you do certain exercises? For example, I believe it is 40 pushups. If you can do 40 consecutive pushups, that's an indication that your chances of developing cardiovascular disease, which is the number one killer in the United States and also the world now, uh, is, is going to be a lot lower. And so we have certain metrics we're trying to hit for sure, right? How many push-ups can you do? Uh, the muscle mass, the body fat, if you want to take it to another level, looking at your resting heart rate, what is your mm. resting heart rate? That's an, another thing. Cause if it's in the eighties, even if you're lifting weights need to get that lower. Mm. We know that people with high resting heart rates, not good right? Higher chance of dying from a lot of different things, including mo most obviously from heart disease. So having a low resting heart rate, let's say in the sixties, at least mine is in the mid forties, right? Uh, so, so looking at, uh, looking at blood pressure, looking at fasting glucose and hemoglobin A1C, which are markers of blood sugar, how your body is dealing with blood sugar. If it's high, then you're on your way to pre-diabetes or full-blown diabetes. Uh, cholesterol as well, that's a more controversial topic, but based on the people that I trust and the research I've read, uh, high cholesterol is not a good thing, even if you're doing the keto mm -hmm. and, and you're lean. So there's a lot of different metrics here. Um, the ones that we focus on in our coaching at the beginner level is the simple ones though. We, how do you feel about what you see in the mirror? What's your body fat percentage? We get our clients to get DEXA scans. So we know their body fat percentage and their muscle mass and also just functional tests of, uh, of, of muscle performance, right? Or, or strength performance um, and the resting heart rate. Those are the things that we look at first because that first level is about body trans. I say, I call it body transformation, but it's really health basics because if you're overweight you, or obese, even worse, um, you have a high resting heart rate. It's hard for you to walk up a flight of stairs, let alone 10 flights of stairs without feeling like you're going to have a heart attack. You're, you're operating at a really low level uh, when it comes to your physical health. Now, this gets complicated because certain people are different genetically in terms of their appetite, in terms of their struggles with obesity. I didn't used to believe that. But people who are really obese, that's a big challenge. Mm. But if you're someone, you were in shape earlier in your life, you were an, an athlete, and then you got fat because you took all that energy you were putting into sports and college and going out, hanging out into growing your career, then having a family. You just got your, your health took, your health got put on the back burner along the way. And you can 100% get back to that and do it without giving up your social life. Like I said, being the person who shows up with the Tupperware to dinner. You don't have to do that. You don't have to cut out your favorite foods or eliminate carbs or do anything extreme. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. 
Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. interesting yeah I, well the idea of you mentioned earlier being kind of a health weirdo you know you come to the party with all your foods like i've been there i mean, I feel that way all the time i know what that's like uh, but I'll, i also understand what it means to set a good boundary and have my own health goals but it's an interesting i guess the social aspect to me is it, it is really fascinating that these personal choices we make they have an impact beyond just the foods that we're actually eating it's how we interact with everyone um i'm gonna go back to a point you mentioned this uh, a dexa scan what exactly is that well, yeah, it's a, I forget exactly what the acronym stands for, dual, dual something or another, absorb geometry or whatever. But what it is, is it's a, a type of, uh, it's a piece of equipment. It, initially, it's been used for bone density measurements, which it also gives you. But it's a great way of measuring your body fat and muscle mass. And it gives you a readout. I have clients, some of my clients, especially the one-on-one clients, we get DEXA scans every month. So we see, for example, I've got a client, uh, a, a woman client, actually, she started out at 24% body fat. So she, I said, what was the ideal range based on the best evidence we have to be around that 20 to 25 range? She was already good, hmm. but she wanted, she's a consultant. Uh, in the healthcare industry, and she wanted to be great. So she went from 24% body fat to 16.8% body fat in about five months. Uh, She gained a little over five pounds of muscle. And yeah, she's crushing it in terms of her results. We're still working on her stress and some other things. Because you can, something that I don't think gets said a lot is you can look great, but also feel terrible. Mm, so true. Looking a different way, uh, the, I, the way, like close your eyes and visualize yourself looking, being your best self, right? However lean that is, whatever type of body, um, you know, however big your muscles are, that doesn't automatically mean you're going to be feeling good all the time. Because you can, if you don't manage your stress, for example, you can be feeling miserable Mm. looking your best. And I used to be one of those people. (laughs) People thought I had all the answers when I was in my late 20s. I was was ripped. And people thought I had all the answers. And I didn't know. I didn't have all the answers. And I was living a very unhealthy lifestyle up in the club, drinking, Mm. taking ecstasy, not every weekend, but more frequently than I'd like to admit, uh, but drinking quite frequently. But I was lean. And I was also just in a mess emotionally. And I didn't pay that much attention to sleep. Mm. So you can be, and <laughs> that's not just me. I know people even worse than that. A lot of the people that you see on Instagram, some of them have for sure great lives, right? Uh, but a lot of them struggle with eating disorders and being unhappy. They struggle financially. And so it's not going to automatically determine how you're going to feel. Um, I know that's not exactly the question you asked. It was about the DEXA scan. So we use that DEXA scan to dial in because if you do the right things, you will get better results with your body fat. And using the DEXA scan gives us a data-driven way to let us know we're making the right decisions. Mm, okay. We come up with goals for that particular client. Uh, 0.8 pounds of muscle per month. And, you know, we don't really have like how fast to lose body fat. It's really a muscle goal for her at this point. And she's just naturally getting leaner as the, as we progress. So um, that was, that's an example of why we use it, what it is and why we use it. But just, I, I always like to throw in there 
you can look, have a dramatic transformation and still not feel your best if you don't handle the other aspects of your life. What would you say people struggle with the most when it comes to, I guess, wanting to make that transition? Because I know a lot of people are listening right now thinking, yes, I'm overweight. Yes, I'm stressed out. Yes, my life is difficult. Like you're talking right now, mentioning these things. I'm thinking, yeah, I, I feel like I'm I'm in that place a lot of times too. What causes someone to say, like enough is enough. I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to, you know, buy a course. I'm going to go to the gym. Like when does someone make that pivot from my life is challenging with my health to I'm actually doing something about it? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And the answer, I'm going to answer just in my experience. They, they come with a lot of motivation. Well, mm-hmm. where's that motivation come from? Unfortunately, often it comes from this. Uh, but I'll give you an example. Do you have a car when you step when, when you sit in the seat and you don't buckle the seatbelt? It just starts dinging, ding, 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 and you're like, "Oh my god!" It's like the first thing you got to just, "Oh my, I got to shut the car up." And what eventually happens to most of the people who show up? Not all, and I can talk about that too but they have a high level of motivation and it's because they can no longer handle that dinging. Mm -hmm. And the dinging in this case is they put their health off for too long because it wasn't the right time, which doesn't exist. No, (laughs) there's no such thing. Oh, but I'm busy. I just had a kid. I just, it doesn't exist. Mm. Right. There's no right time. The right time that people say it's because they feel motivated to do something about it. And I'll give you example. I'll give you another example in a second, but I want to finish my point. It's because the dinging is too loud. They get up in the morning, can't stand what they see, want to change, can't stand the way they feel. There's usually also, I was trying to play with my kids. I got out of breath. I can't be this way anymore. I tried to walk up the stairs. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. Can't be this way anymore. And, um, So that's what we call negative reinforcement. Mm, You have to do something about it. Uh, A a more simple way of putting it, Tony Robbins talks about the pleasure and pain principle. People are always trying to go for pleasure, trying to get out of pain. So uh, I think about it more in terms of the nerdier scientific terms that come from, you know, behavioral conditioning, behavioral psychology. It's negative reinforcement, which also is really important. Jeff, I mean, we could, this could turn into a much longer interview and I, I want to be respectful <laughs> of your time, but a lot of people, what initially causes them to take action, they take aggressive action. Like I can't live this way anymore. I have to do something about this. Okay. I'm going to, what am I going to do? Okay. I'm going to do keto that gets really good results or I'm going to go paleo. I did that in the past. And it really worked for me. And you know what, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go every day. I'm going to do an hour a day. And I'm going to follow this strict diet. I think you know where this is going. Eventually, the dinging isn't the, I need to change. I'm out of shape. I don't like what I see anymore. The dinging becomes, this lifestyle sucks. (laughs) I'm spending too much time in the gym. My joints hurt. I'm tired of working out. I just want to eat a slice of pizza or have a dessert. And that's the dinging in this case. And then that's why they quit. And then, then the dinging starts again. I got to change. I, <laughs> I'm, I put on too much weight. I can't stand what I see in the mirror. And then people yo-yo back and forth between that. And I hope people get out of that situation because, because, because I realized eventually that was the real problem. We don't have a weight loss problem in the States. It's more like people can't lose it and keep it off. Hmm. Yeah. So think of that, that dinging example is an interesting one because, you know, back when I was doing a ton of marathons, I would wear a heart rate monitor um, around my chest. And so I had a, a watch attached to it and the watch would ding if my heart rate dropped too low, if I was going too slow or it would ding if I was pushing too hard because the goal is to keep me in a specific zone of training so that I could do the endurance runs for as long as possible. And after wearing that device for probably about a month, 
I could feel my body when it was going too fast or too slow. I could, the dinging was in my head then because I could have that self-awareness of I know me and I know what I'm doing. And so one thing to that, to that point about you burn yourself out when you push too hard in a workout program, what I've seen with myself is if I can almost not, not intentionally, but if I can put myself in a position where I can learn what too hard is or what too easy or too much, too lazy is the more I know from myself the more I can keep myself in a healthier zone long-term. But that's only come from lots of, of failed experiments. There are lots of bad uh, seasons of my life where I've just made a ton of mistakes. And I feel like my personal story is one of just falling off the wagon, but getting back on over and over and over as many times as it takes. And, and you know, I'm in an okay place right now. Not my best, not my worst. I'm fine. But my personal goals with health is not to be fine. Like I want to be great. And so I'm kind of shifting my bar to where, how can I have that dinging happen a little sooner? Like, ah, Jeff, your weight's too off. Your, you know, your energy's too low, but have that mental alert kick in before the problems show up, you know, like before your body actually physically hurts, which I find for myself is working. But I feel like that's, that's a goal for people once they've kind of got a program going is to, you know, have the self-awareness piece to, to be their better self more often. I love that example. And that's what I'm, I'm kind of like the, the watch that does that, mm, that keeps yeah. them in the right zone. Right. That's what I do because a lot of people, and I think by the way, interestingly enough, endurance training is a great way to do that because you can, you start off running a lot, uh, running a, it, it, let's say it, even a 10 K or something. You're like, I'm going to crush this. I feel great. <laughs> oh, and then 10 minutes into it, you're like, oh my God, right? Because you don't know how to pace yourself. Right. So I love that example. That's exactly, your watch has coached you so that you stay in the right zone that you can be consistent with. Right. Like sustainability, that, I feel like is the name of the game for me at this stage. Because, you know, I've got two young girls. And so my lifestyle is very different now than it was you know, back in the days where I ran marathons every weekend, which I literally had a few years. So that was my life. Like that's not happening right now, but there's still this sense of like, what's the best me in this season of my life? And how do I optimize the hours I do have? You know, cause I, it's, it's very easy for me right now in my life to make an excuse. It's so easy for me to just be like, no, like you said before, it's like, no, I'm too busy. No, just had a kid. No, blah, blah, blah. Like I can fill in that, that excuse blank so fast right now. And so my biggest challenge is acknowledging that to myself that like I make another excuse, like I can get to the gym again, I can eat healthier today and then making that choice. And so I feel like that's kind of that that daily decision to like redecide every day to stay healthy, which has become my new mantra, which I think is to a certain degree working pretty well. Yeah, amazing. And, and I love that. And I think that what I hear you saying too is there's some sort of drive, some sort of, I, I would guess based on what you just said, there's some sort of connection with health and what you do. In fact, you already mentioned that at the beginning. You already have health focused, your whole philosophy right. is health focused productivity. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the people that I work with and, and perhaps you too, it's really a money first and mm. then family or family first, then money, and then the health gets put behind. Right. And we just don't know how to do it. We're not taught how to do it. Um, although, and it's just because our parents, and not again, not to blame them because they didn't deal with the obesity crisis. The obesity crisis, it, it started in the 80s. There's always been obesity for as long as we know like human history, right? But what we're dealing with in the U.S. started in the 80s. My parent, my dad was born in like this 43, you know, he was, <laughs> it's just not something they had to deal with. And all of a sudden the environment shifted and we're, we're dealing with it now. And so there needs in the future, this will be, I think taught at least hopefully maybe this is a bit too, maybe this is a bit too optimistic, but it'll taught, it'll be taught to us just like, Hey, you got to brush your teeth. Why? Cause your teeth fall out. You got to go to the dentist, costs a bunch of money. Your teeth fall out. You got cavities. You got to get dentures. You got to take them out and clean them and do all the, you know, <laughs> the things that you saw in the polydent commercials growing up. And health is the same way. You, 
if you don't use your muscles, you lose them. If you don't keep your cardiovascular system healthy, it goes away and you end up with terrible problems. And one thing that I think is important is that this motivation to take action for your health, you have it already, so do I. It, you can create it. And the way that you create it, I think one mistake that we make is everybody views, not everybody, but a lot of the people that I talk to, they view exercise and diet is only a way to, to lose the pounds. Mm. It's just a way to lose weight. Well, I'm, I don't want to lose weight right now, so I'm not going to exercise. I'm not, I'm not going to try to eat healthy. I'm not, you know, I did a diet. I, I'm just, I'm just not in the mood for that. I'm not, I'm not trying to lose weight, so I won't do that. It's like, it's not about losing weight. Actually, exercise is really terrible for weight loss without the <laughs> diet adjustment. I agree. They've done a bunch of studies. <laughs> yep. People don't lose weight. You know, it's great for maintaining weight loss, but you need to adjust your nutrition because it's just a lot. It's really hard to burn 500 calories, but it's really easy to say, you know, I'm not going to have that big slice of cheesecake, which is about 500 calories, you know, and <laughs> if it's big enough. So it's just easier to just say no to those things. Not all the time, but we can create motivation um, to take action. And we need to connect it with what we're trying to do in our life. And people don't make the connection like, listen, health is the foundation, not just for wealth, but also for relationships. A great person to learn from is John Gottman. Instead of listening to people's problems, there's a, a TED talk called The Science of Love. It's a TEDx talk. And what John Gottman did, he's like, I'm not going to listen to anybody about their problems. We're going to put couples. Now, it's a little bit controversial, but I still think regardless of the controversy, um, we can learn a lot from this. So what he did was this. Instead of listening, oh, well, she doesn't. Um, you know, acknowledge what I do every day and, oh, well, he doesn't take out the garbage and all that stuff. What they did was they just put people in a soundproof room so they couldn't even hear and they measured their breathing rate, their heart rate, their blood pressure and their galvanic skin response. In other words, you know, when you uh, sweat, when you're stressed, one of the first things that happens when you're stressed actually is you start to sweat even imperceptibly. And that's what the galvanic skin response is. And what he figured out was that, and it's, you know, this is, we, it, it makes so much sense. The couples that tended to stay together were the ones that when they did have that triggering happen, right? That fight, that argument, they were both able to calm down eventually, right? Because that, that's what needs to happen when you're in a relationship. <laughs> if you keep escalating, that's towards the meltdown, you know, that's just, that's not a relationship that's going to last. We, you, you need, it's okay. We all get, we lose our cool sometimes it's okay, but we need to learn how to bring things down. And the couples that learn how to bring it down did better. They stayed together yeah. more. So, okay. What's that have to do with fitness? Well, guess what? <laughs> we know that you're going to be much more stressed psychologically if you're, if you have poor fitness because you're not going to be sleeping well. Sleep's directly tied into that. You're, uh, if you have a lot of body fat, now we're learning that excess body fat affects your prefrontal cortex. In other words, the area of your brain that's connected or, or that's associated with emotional control, planning, with impulse control. Oh, yeah, well, you <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say that, but that's going to turn out bad if I say that. I don't really mean it, right? So, <laughs> so it's like controlling. Get it, it, it puts you in a position where you have more control over yourself because a stressed <clears throat> brain equals a weak mind and weak behavior. Mm. And like I said, even if you're not stressing yourself because you're laying around, you're watching the the Netflix and the you know the Apple Plus or whatever Apple TV it eventually becomes physiological stress because excess body fat increases inflammation. Um, the more you lose cardiovascular fitness, again, inflammation raises, you're less resilient to stress. Exercise actually helps uh, lessen the number of stress hormone receptors in a part of your brain called the hippocampus. So there's all these things that happen with exercise. So exercise 
all of a sudden but goes from this thing that we're in not just exercise but you know the whole physical health regimen goes from a thing from being oh well it's just for weight loss to this is how i keep my marriage together mm. this is how i become a better parent this is how i show up and kick butt in my business because guess what you think you're making the best decisions in your business because you know, you're overweight, you're out of shape, you feel it every morning, you look at yourself in the mirror, you're not feeling good. And then you go to work. Of course you do well because you've done it for years and you have that, that, um, skill, but you're not operating at your best, especially when it comes to creatively solving problems, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to learning new things. We're talking about brain health here, right? So by connecting exercise and diet and stress management and sleep to your relationship, to how you do with your business, making more money, that's a way when you start to understand it from that, a lot of my clients find it's way easier to get motivated. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's attached to everything, right? Like our choices are connected to everything. I, I've, I totally agree with you, especially in that element of, of creativity, of energy, of bringing your best self to your whole life. Like all of that is possible if you feel great, if you're healthy, if you actually care about yourself enough to take care of yourself. Like I feel like that, it's, it's a big shift. Like once you're in that, that zone, like I, I felt this in the opposite direction. I'll go back to the Thanksgiving example. When I f found myself eating too much for a few days in a row, I felt all of the opposite effects that I wanted, right? I felt lethargic. I felt uncreative. I felt tired. Uh, my mood dropped. I was just, you know, kind of disgruntled. Like I could feel the negative impacts of eating poorly and not working out and not sleeping well for just even two or three days. Like it just, it became so apparent that quickly. And imagine if that's your whole life. Like I can imagine that just, it would tear you down, right? But the opposite becomes true. You take care of yourself all of a sudden. Like, wait a minute, I have this, you know, baseline that is way better. And I can bring that to my life every day, to my kids, to my job, to whatever. And I feel like that's, I'm always kind of chasing that next feeling of let's get back to the better me and away from this lethargic overweight me that I've been before. And the more that I can be very clear on what those boundaries are, it becomes easier than to make the right choices. I feel. It's such a great example. And I think that you have a lot of awareness about it. I realized what you just said. I realized just a few days of not sleeping well, overeating, et cetera, started to feel bad. That happens to my clients, but it takes a while for it to, to get there. What they end up realizing is they thought they were fine. Mm. And then they change. I don't tell my, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know how I come across, Jeff. Maybe I come across as someone who's really like, oh, you can't do this, this or not. You got to be in bed. And man, look at your resting heart rate. Oh my God. You know, but I'm really, I'm really easy with clients. I don't tell them, hey, you need to stop drinking. Hmm. Like I put them through something when they first sign up with me, they end up losing 
somewhere in the neighborhood of four to six pounds in 10 days, just to get, again, psychologically activated in the program, because we find once they do that, the rest of the program is really smooth. But they go back to drinking, the ones who are drinking. And I don't tell them not to do it. I tell them to do it. I say, Mm. you got to find a way to, if that's, I'm not going to tell you, if you're telling yourself, for example, I'm going to drink, there's no way I'm not drinking. (laughs) Then you have to find a way to include it. And I show my clients how to do that. But what's really interesting is they start cutting back on alcohol on their own. And the reason always is they start feeling like crap. (laughs) So all of a sudden the dinging for them it becomes hard like, man, I don't want to give up my drinks. I don't, I don't want to, you know, and I say, you don't have to do that. I'll show you how to incorporate it. We just have to, you know, we just have to do these strategies and you'll be fine. But eventually it becomes like, man, I drank way too much. I felt terrible. And now I'm not drinking as much anymore because I've started to notice that I feel terrible when I do it. And, and the ones that still drink, they, they, they still do it, but they've cut back even more. Not because I told them to, because they told themselves to. They figured it out. They started getting to that point like what you're talking about. And it's a powerful place to get to. It just takes, it takes a few months to get there. Takes a few months to get there. And then, you know, because people say these dumb things in, in our, nothing, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. It's like... It's not, you don't, you don't tell that to someone who's not there. (laughs) They don't know it. You know, they haven't been skinny, maybe even their whole lives. What are you trying to tell someone that for? Right. What you got to say is, Hey, listen, you just, let's help you get these results. And then you make the choices. I help my Mm -hmm. clients make the choices, but it's fascinating to see what happens, what becomes like, Whoa, I can't believe I was living that way and feeling that way. I feel so good now. And then that's the drug that gets them high. And then they take, then drinking takes away the high because they thought they were drinking to feel good. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, just on that exact example, I just finished a sober October, uh, you know, intentional challenge of no alcohol for 30 days. And I took it out for a full six weeks and I've reintegrated alcohol just a bit. And I can already tell you that it, it doesn't taste the same. It doesn't have the same appeal. I'm not as interested, right? Like I, my, my mentality towards it is one of like, eh, I just don't care as much, right? It doesn't have that same, it's kind of like, you know, like a drug addict who used to get a really good high initially. And then the longer you're on the drug, the less appealing it is. And the more of it you have to have to maintain the high, you know, this happens with caffeine. It happens with, you know, every kind of drug out there, alcohol being no different. Like there's a, there's a big shift that takes place when it's no longer part of your routine. And then when you do reintroduce it, you're like, Really? I used to do this all the time? Like why? Like it just it, this it's a weird experience if you've not had that before. And for me it takes, you know, doing the abstinence component for a while for me to get to that point. But once the awareness is there, it's like, "Oh, okay. Now I know what it feels like uh, to feel bad. I know what it feels like to make the wrong choice." And and I love the healthy choices. And I'm like really into that. So yeah, you don't want to ruin a good thing. And so the more that I can feel like I get that you know, those systems built and then that real habit of making good choices, it's easy to keep doing that. It's really easy to stay in a good place once you have those boundaries that make sense to you. Yeah, for sure. The one thing I'd say is I'm, I'm, I definitely like getting high on my coffee though. That's not, oh, me too. That's, that's not going anywhere. No, I'm still there. I'm by no means, you know, Mr. Healthy over here. I'm just, I've, there's enough, you know, evidence to show that like we can learn more about ourselves and make better choices. And I feel like that's yeah, a huge component, at least from my, my story of health has been one of the more I learn about me, the more I make better choices for me, which I feel like is everyone's, you know, personal story in that sense. Yeah, 100%. And I would just say, just I know we were joking about the coffee, but coffee actually has a lot of benefits mm. besides it being the number one source of antioxidants for Americans, just because the diet's so poor, actually. <laughs> uh, it's also connected with slowing of uh, cognitive decline. Mm. It's also something that can help if you do happen to sleep poorly, it can help you get through that. It's not, again, not what you want to. We all know that, but 
it's nice to have some research saying, hey, this is actually not even a bad strategy. It's a good strategy. Of course, you should fix your sleep and all that. But coffee actually has a ton of benefits. It's seen, and maybe if with the right amount of coffee, I think uh, like two or three cups a day is associated with longevity benefits as well. So meta-analysis, yeah. more studies keep coming out on that. Although it is like if you're if you're starting to get to the point where you can't sleep well at night or you're feeling irritable, uh, the way I look at it just very briefly is you got to kind of earn your caffeine. Like I'm in mm. Mexico, the weather's amazing. I'm going diving. I'm exercising more than I was when I was in Europe. I'm feeling great. So I can... I can drink a couple of cappuccinos a day, two cappuccino, two large cappuccinos <laughs> a day, and I don't have a problem sleeping and I feel I feel good. It doesn't feel like it's putting me on the edge. But just in case someone is feeling like on the edge, you got to be you got to be mindful of your caffeine consumption. A little bit is okay, but even if you feel like a little in a, in a rough spot with caffeine, what I've done when I worked with a performance psychologist actually is he had me go one day with decaf, which actually still has caffeine in it. And then one day with caffeine. Now I'm not doing that because I'm feeling great. But if I was in that place where I was feeling a bit burnt out, I would go back to that practice of incorporating more, um, incorporating more decaf. Mm. Nice. Ted, this has been amazing. There's so much here to to learn from from your experience. I know it's it's one of those health is one of those topics that I feel like people are either super into it or they're just like, eh, I'll do that later. And so I, I, it's for me, I, I love getting the refresher from someone like you who's like, that's you're in that zone, you're doing really well, um, you look great by the way. And so it's it's Thanks. an awesome thing to be able to see someone who's making really good choices and you're getting great benefits from those. So if you listen to this podcast right now and you want to hire an awesome health coach, Ted Rice is your man. Uh, I'll do the promo for you, Ted. But you, <laughs> this is one of those cases where like, I know from personal experience, if you're in a rough spot and you want to change, that getting great information is just a huge game changer. So yes, listening to podcasts like this is awesome, but getting that one-on-one -on -one help is enormous. Uh, so Ted, where can people go to learn more from you and to dig into to all your great stuff? Yeah, if you if you just want to hear more of my philosophy and more about what I teach, go to Legendary Life Podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we've had a lot of people come from your show over to our show and, and vice versa. Uh, so you can listen to my podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you felt if you felt the call to to make massive change based on hearing this today and you're an entrepreneur or busy professional and you want to make massive change with your health, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash apply and hop on a 15-minute call with me. I'm not sure when this is going out, Jeff, but we're, um, you know, we have a few spots left for the end of the year. And okay. if that's something you want to do, um, yeah, take action. Let's hop on a call and, and we'll uh, see if it's a good fit. Okay, awesome stuff. Ted, I'll have you on again uh, next year to uh, to dig into more health awesomeness. But uh, until then, uh, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Jeff. Always a pleasure. And for the action step this week, define your personal health boundaries. How much is too much? How little is too little? We all have extremes that work against our goals, and the best long-term sustainable solution is to stay in your ideal growth zone. That means you are actively making progress without slowing down to the point of quitting or speeding up to the point of injury. Get clear on what your ideal zone looks like and make that your new healthy lifestyle. If you want additional help with your health, be sure to reach out to Ted for personal health coaching at legendarylifepodcast.com. Now go to jeffsanders.com slash 470 for the episode notes this week. And of course, subscribe to this podcast in the app you're using right now. That's all I've got for you here on the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life and the fun begins bright and early.
Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.